0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. I
1: love uh, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name. When you think about that, that's really, that's really a, it's, a, it's about the mission that God has given us because what we want is for His name to be more hallowed, more honored. We want the name of Jesus to be more famous in our community and around the world. That's really the, the mission of our church, and that's what we're going to be talking about um, today. So, did everybody get a napkin um, today? You'll know why you need this in a few minutes, but did everybody get one if you don't have a napkin, raise your hand. We've got some guys coming around. We'll hold them high. Hold them high. We've got some folks who need napkins. You'll need this before you leave today, I promise you. Okay, so lift your head up high. And uh, y'all, everybody gets to draw in church today. Everybody gets to... to, to uh, you get to go back to childhood today and, and do some drawing. But you're going to need this today. Hold them up high, and we'll make sure that you get one. We're talking today about uh, sharing the gospel and so, um, a couple of resources that I want you to uh, know about, other than your napkin, of course. And uh, one is, uh, we talked about it maybe in, in when we met in our Bible study groups a couple of weeks ago, um, but there's a free uh, app that you can get on your phone that uh, has some of the stuff I'm going to be sharing today. And so, if you go to the App Store and you just type in, Life on Mission... Life on Mission, uh, you'll see the app and there are resources on that that will help you. And also, if you look around the church, uh, we've got plenty of these booklets around uh, that will also help you. The things that I cover today are in here as well, and so that'll be another uh, good resource for you. So what we're going to do today, it's going to be a little bit different and um, we're going to get back to, to Mark after this, but I want to take kind of a day out and let's just talk about what the good news is, understanding the good news, and, and how to share that good news with, with other people. So that's what we're talking about uh, today. We don't have one scripture because I'm going to be talking about a bunch of different scriptures um, as, we, as we go through uh, our time together Today. So we got those napkins. Good to go. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time uh, together today. And we thank you for the opportunity um, that you have put in our lives as people all around us that need you. And we have the words of life we have the water of life that they're thirsting for. We have the bread of life that they're hungry for. We have the answer that meets the deepest need in life, the answer that reconciles us to yourself, that that saves us, that fills our lives with meaning, and that enables us to live the flourishing lives that you've purposed for us and to be with you forever one day. And so, Father, help us... be faithful in that just to simply love people and as as part of loving them to share the best news in the world with them and use this as a time of equipping us to do that we pray in Jesus name amen so uh, maybe uh, you've uh, you've heard the expression and it was kind of it was kind of a trendy phrase going around churches a few years ago And it's it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but it's the phrase, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Well, Ed Stetzer from the Billy Graham Center up in Wheaton points out that there are a couple of problems with that phrase. First of all, St. Francis never said it. Um, The other problem is that it's really bad theology. Now, it is true that the way that we live gives credibility to our words. That's certainly true. And it's certainly true when it comes to the gospel. It's certainly true that by living an authentic Christian life, and demonstrating things like kindness and love to other people, that that does give credibility to us when we speak the words of the gospel. That's certainly true. But the the phrase implies that that can substitute for the words of the gospel. And it cannot. Because the gospel in its very nature is news. The word gospel means good news. And news by its very definition has to be told. In and, and Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, Paul there tells us, you know, how can people believe in Jesus unless someone tells them? Now, most Christians understand that Jesus has given us that assignment to tell other people about him. One recent study showed that 80% of Protestant churchgoers believe that Jesus has given us the assignment to tell other people about Him. Obviously the other 20% never read their Bibles. Okay? But 80% would say, yes, that's our responsibility, that's our assignment to tell people about Jesus. There's a corollary Uh, stat to that that's also 80%. And this is a really encouraging stat because 80% of unchurched people in our culture say that they would have no problem with a Christian. I'm talking about unchurched people now, okay? 80% of unchurched people say they would have no problem with a Christian explaining to them uh, what... They believe, and among young unchurched people, it's even higher than 80%. So that's great news, okay? That's a, that's a great opportunity. The problem is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 9.37 when he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The problem is not that the harvest is not there. And the problem is not that the harvest is unwilling to hear. The problem is that there aren't enough laborers who are willing to tell. And that's our part, is to tell the the good news to people. Now, what are the reasons for why we talk about evangelism a lot, but don't do it a whole lot. I mean, in its its purest essence, I mean, it goes back to disobedience, okay? It's to not tell people the gospel is to disobey Christ's commandment. Um, but, But why do we find that commandment a hard commandment to obey? I mean, in any other area of life, we love to tell good news. We love to be the conduit of good news. So why would we find it, uh, that commandment, to tell good news a hard commandment to obey? It could be that we have a, um, a caricature of witnessing in our mind. Maybe we think of it as being coercive. But that, if we think that, that indicates a total misunderstanding of what it is. Because it's not coercive. If if you're being coercive, you're not really doing evangelism in a biblical way because evangelism, according to Scripture, is simply telling people good news in a a loving way, out of love for them. You're simply lovingly sharing good news. You're not trying to coerce anybody to do anything. Um, There's another reason, I think, why we tend to not be obedient to the command, but to share the gospel, and it's that maybe we lack confidence. Now, part of that is a spiritual issue, because if if we haven't been active in talking to people about Jesus, then we've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit coming through and giving us the words that we need and giving us the boldness that we need. But it's one of those things that you have to do it in order to experience that. It's kind of like tithing. You know, in order to experience God coming through for you financially, you have to step out in faith and just do it. And then you experience his, his faithfulness. And, and it's kind of like that in talking to people about Jesus. Um, you have to do it. And when you step out in faith and you do it, then you experience the power of God's Spirit uh, giving you words and freeing your lips and giving you the boldness that you need. And it's very exhilarating, but it's, again, it's the type of thing where you, you have to do it. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, right? You've got, you got to do it, and then you experience the, the God's Spirit uh, coming through for you. So that, that's part of our confidence issue, is if we've never done it, we've never experienced the Holy Spirit coming through for us in that way and giving us words, giving us boldness. He will do that. But part of our confidence issue, I think, is that it does help to have some preparation to share. And look, we know this in any realm of life. It, it, when you're in school and you get, do an oral report, okay, or, or you're at work and you've got to do a presentation, I mean, we know that the more prepared that we feel, the, the more confidence that we're, we're going to have. And so I do think that there is a role for kind of getting prepared to share the gospel. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about a way of sharing the gospel with people. And before we do that, I want to give you this disclaimer. Um, it does not matter that you use this this way, this presentation of the gospel with people. Uh, that does not matter. Um, what does matter is that you talk to people about the work of Christ, okay, that you talk about the good news of Jesus somehow, some way. Um, but it helps sometimes to have sort of a track to run on. Every conversation is different. We don't know exactly what we're going to say, but somehow we want to share the words of the gospel. I don't know everything that I'm going to say today, but I kind of have a track to run on, um, and sometimes that really uh, helps us in communicating the gospel. Um, What also really matters is that you are in situations with lost people to share the gospel. One of the problems that we have today in, in sort of church culture in America is that Christians sometimes can be very isolated. And um, they, they spend all of their... Uh, now, some of you work around a lot of people who aren't yet believers. Uh, you go to school with them or whatever. Um, and so you've got that. But a lot of times, I mean, with our downtime, we spend all that time either with our family or with people who are already in Christ, And if that's the case, then we're not going to have many opportunities to to share uh, the gospel with people. We should be very intentional about spending time with people that don't yet know the Savior, that are not yet involved in a Bible-believing church, out of love for them and out of a desire for God's glory to be uh, spread. Okay, so think about your life. What do you do? What do you typically do? Why not involve, start involving some people who don't yet know Christ in that? So, do you golf? Do you fish? You know, do you, do you have some other hobby that you do? Do you, uh, work out? Do you hang out? Why not include, start including people that don't yet know Christ in that? And here's a question that I think everybody's going to answer affirmatively. Do you eat? All right? So when you read the Gospels, how many times do you see Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners? He, he, he spends lots of time eating meals with people who are far from God. And, you know, there's something about a meal. There's something about, or having a cup of coffee with somebody, or something, you're sharing a friendship at that point. And there's a certain openness that is there. You're expressing friendship with with people. um, And, you know, that's just a simple way to put yourself in a setting uh, where you can talk about Jesus. So, the napkin here um, is a is a symbol of that. Now, we're going to write on the napkins here in a minute, um, but it's more than that. The napkin symbolizes relationships, relationships with people. Part of being a faithful witness is building relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus and investing in their lives and inviting them to Christ inviting them to experience the fellowship of a church family. And so when you think about the napkin, I want you to think about that uh, symbolism. So let's, uh, let's think about the fact, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you're at a meal or having coffee with somebody. How do you transition from just talking about life to talking about Jesus? Well, Conversations develop uh, in different ways, and sometimes it just kind of naturally gets into it. Sometimes it helps if we have sort of a a point of transition. I just just tend to be very upfront about this, and just, you know, I'll say to people, look, you, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, And I I believe that the Bible just kind of gives us the, the, the answer for life, and it is incredibly good news, and it's the most important thing in my life, and it's changed my life, and because I care about you and you're my friend, I'd love to share it with you. And at that point, almost everyone says yes. And so there's an opportunity that is there. And the, uh, one way that I begin with people is on a point of common ground. And that point of common ground in our culture is this. People know that something is wrong with the world. I mean, they look around, everybody can see brokenness all around us. Okay, broken, shattered lives, uh, broken relationships. Uh, they're looking at the news, they look at the world, it's a broken world, something is radically wrong in this world, and, and everybody sees that, but what we also see, and here's where you need to get your napkin out, get something to bear down on, hymnal or whatever, okay, uh, and what I want you to do today is just follow me, okay, when I write something, you write something on your napkin. So what we also see all around us, in, a, in addition to a whole lot of uh, brokenness, is that we see tons of evidence for God's design. So we look around at the natural world around us. We see beauty all around us. I mean, it's incredible. God is an incredible artist and the world that he has created around us. I mean, we see tons and tons of natural beauty. And the Bible says in Psalm 19 that these things are like declaring God's glory. God is speaking to us through his brilliant artistry in his creation. And when we look at uh, human beings, we see God's design. Right? I mean, think about our bodies and our brains and just the incredible uh, complexity. And God has given us the ability to to, to think and to reason and to create um, and to love. Despite all our problems, all the hatred in the world, we also have this capacity to love. And we we also have sort of an innate yearning for a world that is right. We, we have an innate yearning, for instance, for justice. And we have this sort of this inbuilt sense of right and wrong. And we see it even with little kids out on a playground, right? You know, I've raised kids. Uh, I've, I've played soccer with kids in Morocco uh, and in Haiti. Um, and I've, 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 I was on the playground in Bangladesh, and I was seeing kids play cricket. I couldn't join in with them because I didn't know the rules. Um, but they knew the rules, and you know what? If you stay on a playground in any culture long enough, somebody's going to get out of line, and somebody's going to make the statement, whether it's in English or Creole or Arabic or Bengali, uh, that's not fair, right? And so adults... Make that same statement, right? Now, there are some adults today who say they don't believe in an objective right and wrong. They believe that up until the point that somebody breaks a promise to them or somebody cuts in line in front of them at the grocery store. Suddenly, they believe in right and wrong. Look, we all do. We have this innate sense of right and wrong. We we yearn for uh, justice. We yearn for joy. Everybody wants to be happy. We yearn for uh, love. We we yearn for a world where relationships are right, where people love one another. Um, And most of all, we yearn for a world without death. And there's a reason why we yearn for all of these things. And the reason is that God created a world just like that. God created a world without death, without suffering and all the things that lead to death. God created a world of beauty um, and justice and joy and love where people loved him and loved one another. Okay? The problem is that we have left that we have we have left God's design and the Bible calls that sin and it says that all of us are sinners it says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so look most of us have high ideals for the kind of people we want to be, the kind of way, the, the, the way that we want to live, the way that we want to talk, and the way that we want to treat other people. But you know what? We don't, we don't fall. We don't always measure up to our, our ideals, do we? You know, I regularly find myself falling short of my ideals. And you know what? We, we find ourselves acting selfishly. Uh, we we find ourselves thinking sometimes and. And, and talking sometimes and behaving sometimes in a way that when we see it in other people, when we see other people do it, we hate it. <laughs> and we find ourselves sometimes being like that. And, and that's because the problem is not just kind of out there in the world. The problem's in here, right? There's, there's a brokenness in us, okay? And it's all stemming from the fact that, that we have left God's design, and what that leads to is a lot of, of brokenness. Now, we may try to escape our brokenness in all kinds of, of ways. Um, you know, we may think that if we uh, just kind of make enough money uh, that that would do it. Um, or we may think if we can just get attained to a certain position in life, and our job or whatever, that, you know, that's going to um, satisfy us. Uh, I love what the comedian Jim Carrey once said. He said, I wish everybody could get to be rich and famous and get everything that they ever wanted just so they would see that it's not the answer. It doesn't satisfy. Um we may try to kind of get away from our brokenness just sort of by living for the weekend and kind of living for our pleasure and our hobbies or, or whatever. Increasingly in our, in our culture, uh, a lot of people are trying to escape their brokenness through uh, self-medicating, you know, through uh, abusing alcohol or uh, using drugs, and we know where that leads. Um... We may think that it's a new relationship in our lives that's going to do it. You know, if I could just fall in love uh, with the right person, that that would meet the deepest need of my life, but it can't and it won't. And the reason is because no person can really fill that hole that's there. And the reason that they can't is because it's a God-shaped hole. And what we're really yearning for is a relationship, but it's not something another person can fulfill. It's something that only a relationship with God can can meet. And so God has provided a way to that relationship, and it's the gospel. So the word gospel is a Bible word, that simply means good news. And the good news is this. Even though we have left God, God came for us. He came to us to rescue us. God took on human flesh. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live, He had no sin at all, but he went to the cross and died for our sin. Jesus on the cross was broken so that we could be healed of our brokenness. God loved us that much. The Bible says God loved us so much that he gave his only son. So Jesus on the cross took our sin, our brokenness, on himself and he paid the penalty for that, and that's really important because God is holy and he's righteous and he hates sin, and our sins separate us from him. Okay, and, and God, because he's righteous, you know, he's, that sin's got to be dealt with. I mean, God just can't just sort of wink at it and push it beneath the rug. He's a righteous, holy God. You know, suppose, uh, suppose in our court system that human judges just sort of winked at the guilty and said, you know, we're not going to deal with the crimes of the guilty. I mean, listen, we expect our human judges to punish the guilty, right? So God is a perfectly righteous, holy judge. He can't just sort of wink at sin or pretend it doesn't exist. It's got to be dealt with. Okay, and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus dealt with it on the cross. Jesus on the cross took the condemnation for sin that we deserved he he died in our place that that sort of that that record of the debt of our sins which was sort of crushing us beneath its weight the bible tells us that jesus erased that whole record of debt and that it was nailed to the cross when he died for us and listen he not only died in our place but he conquered death in our place he rose from the dead. And because of that, he offers eternal life forever in a world just like the world that God created in the beginning. And what's more is that he offers us that as a free gift. This is not something we can earn. Okay, Christ earned it. It's, it's done. He paid it all. Okay, the work is done. And he offers us that as a a free gift of his grace. But it's like any gift. Okay, in order for the gift to become yours, what do you have to do? Receive it. Okay? And the way that we receive what Jesus has done is to repent and believe. That's our part. So the word repent... Uh, is another Bible word, and it means to turn. We've been heading our own way, doing our own thing, apart from God, and to repent means that we turn around. (laughs) And specifically, we turn around to Jesus. And we trust in what Jesus has done for us. That's what it means to believe. And that doesn't mean that we just believe Sort of like in our heads intellectually, kind of like we believe George Washington was the first president. Okay, it means to, to, when we believe in Jesus, and that's what the Bible tells us we must do, whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. To believe in Jesus means that we commit our lives into His hands, that we take our hands off the controls of our lives, and then we receive Christ as our savior and as the king of our lives. It means he's the boss. It means he's on the throne and we're we're turning our lives over to him. Now, when that happens, then we can begin to recover and pursue God's design because here's what he does. When we turn to Jesus and trust Him, God forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. They're covered by what Jesus did for us in dying for our sins. You know, we're still going to mess up. um, But we can live in the security of knowing that we are in God's grace because of what Jesus has done for us. So God forgives us of our sins. Um, God adopts us as His very own children. God becomes your father, your loving father. He He loves He loves you with a perfect love. He adopts you as His very own. And listen, He loves you and accepts you, not on the basis of your performance, which is always imperfect. But He loves and accepts you on the basis of Christ's performance for you and what He did for you in dying for your sins and rising from the dead. And He fills you with His Holy Spirit and He gives you a new power to live and He begins to change you from the inside out. He begins to change your want-to's in life and your uh, desires. And He's going to take you to be with him forever your future is going to be in a perfect world for with Jesus that's the good news okay now at that point when I shared that with somebody I'm gonna ask the question does this make sense to you and usually people say yes to that sometimes they still have questions and that's okay um, but I ask the question, does this make sense? Um, and if it does, then sometimes I ask a follow-up question, and it's this. If you think about your life, where, where do you think you kind of are right, right now? Um, and we talk about that. And then I ask the question, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to repent and believe right now, and receive the free gift of eternal life. Now at that point, I'm going to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because they may be ready, they may not be ready, and if they're not ready, I'm not going to try to coerce them or force them in in any way, because... It can be an ongoing conversation, and you know we can talk more about, you know, talk more about it. Usually, if you're a friend with a person, um, but in any case, I'm not going to try to do anything coercive. Um, but if they are ready, then uh, and we can talk more about this. And if I sense any readiness, I'm going to say, well, you know what? What we want to do, what you want to do, is just express this to God. Um, the Bible says, "Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." And so it's just a matter of coming before God in, from your heart and just just kind of acknowledging, Lord, I've been trying to do it my way. <laughs> I've been headed my way in life, um, and I'm turning. I'm turning from sin and self, and I'm turning to Jesus. And I believe He died for my sins, and He was raised from the dead. And I want Jesus to be my king. And then I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask the person, "Does that kind of does that kind of express what you're thinking and feeling?" And if they say yes, then they're probably they're probably already saved at that point, because <laughs> God has already done a work of grace in their heart, you know, to get them their desire is to turn to Jesus and trust Him, okay, and, and, you know, that's what saves, and God's done a work of grace in their heart. They're probably at that point, if they say, yes, that's what I'm thinking and feeling, then they're, they're probably saved at that point, because it's not a sinner's prayer that saves, right? It's, just, it's repentance and faith that saves. Um, but I do think it's helpful uh, for people to kind of get that sort of nailed down, um, and so I'll offer at that point to pray with them. Um, and, you know, I'll just offer them an opportunity. And there's a, in your uh, booklet um, or on the app if you look at it. It's just some ideas. Uh, there's no one right way to do it. Um, but I will usually lead them in a prayer. A lot of times they're not used to maybe praying. Uh, and so I kind of lead them through it and just usually allow them to kind of uh Repeat that with me, and then um, after that, we talk about next steps because the discipling process has to begin immediately. So we don't want to just kind of lead people to Christ and then just leave them. It means coming alongside, because uh, Jesus didn't just tell us to get decisions; he said make disciples. Discipleship begins immediately, and so we begin to talk about that. We begin to talk about um, prayer. So. It's about a relationship with the Lord and a walk with God. You don't have to do life alone anymore. You're doing it with Him. And, and part of that is just beginning to, to pray uh, and just talk to Him about anything. Um, and then the church. Every, every believer needs a church family. Church is where we encourage one another. And we, we build one another up. And so we, we talk about, uh, the church family and, uh, talk about our church family, uh, and, and, you know, and the role of scripture. And it's great to offer to read the Bible with somebody. Hey, let's take a book of the Bible. We'll talk through it, uh, together. Um, there's Bible studies at our church for every age and we want you to be involved in that. And then you want to begin to, talk to other people about what Jesus has done because you know what he takes us once we know him he takes us and he sends us right back out into a broken world uh, with the good news of, of Christ now let's make this very very personal at this point a few weeks ago uh, we wrote down names on a card I want you to pull them out right now pull out your card from your wallet or your purse I hope you have it Uh, I want you to keep this with you. If you don't have it physically with you right now, I hope you have three names in your mind and your heart because these are people that Jesus loves and they're people that he's put in our lives, in our path, and he's put them there not by accident. He's put them there for us to invest in their lives and to pray for them and to share with them. Let's pray over the names of these people right now. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we thank you that you do hear us from heaven as we prayed earlier. Um we we thank you that you answer prayer. And Lord, we, we want to intercede for the people on our cards right now, the, the, the people that you put in our mind and heart to pray for in twenty seventeen and to seek opportunities to share the gospel with. In 2017, Father, we pray for them right now. Every, every name, every person, we pray that you would be working in their lives. We pray that you would be creating an openness to you. Just by the sovereignty of your spirit, would you be working in their lives and just doing things that we could never do um, just to soften their heart. And Father, we pray that you would give us opportunities as we intentionally invest in their lives and just seek to love them and be their friends. We pray that you'd give us opportunities to to share uh, the good news of the the gospel um, with them. We know we can't save anybody, um, but we can just be faithful to tell them uh, the good news of of Jesus. And we pray that you'd make us faithful uh, to do that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, um, and maybe hey, maybe you came in here today, we're talking about sharing the gospel with people today, but maybe you came in today and the gospel needed to be shared with you. And if, if that's the case, and God's working in your life, and you want to receive him as your Savior and King, listen, we don't want you to leave here without being able to talk to you about it. And so I'm going to be here at the front during the invitation. I'll be around after the service. I'd love to talk with you more about a relationship with Jesus. Uh, maybe you're here today and God's speaking to you about uh, being a part of our church family. Uh, and you just want to make that known today. And we would love to receive you and welcome you um, today. God, just put anything on your heart. Or just you, The people that God has put on your heart, you just want to come and, and pray uh, for them. Uh, We're open to do that, and our altar is, is open for you. Let's
0: stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. In his finished work for me. In his name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father. You are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service Maybe you live outside our area I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know We're on this journey together Thank you.